What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey everybody and welcome to Movie Crush, Mini Crush Edition. Chuck here in the studio, Pond City Market, Atlanta. Noel to my left. Chuck, I've missed you. <laughs> I know, man. It's, it, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. A proper minute because we did a batch of these. Yeah. And then we didn't do any for a while and then I couldn't do the last one. I know. That's like very a, sad. Like a jerk. You were out of town. I was out of town. It was a worthwhile trip. I saw a cool movie I'll, I'll mention later. Oh, well, stick around for that, everybody. <laughs> So uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, thanks for chiming in with your social media uh, answers and questions and posts and things. We'll get to those in a minute. But the show has been going great. I feel like we're on a bit of a roll with guest booking, um, which is a, a very, um, very soothing feeling because that's the hardest part of this job, booking guests, getting people to say yes, and then to show up uh, is, is are two different things. And it's tough. And you know, I'm trying to get uh, more diverse guests in here, so it's not just Chuck and his pals, and that's kind of been happening lately. So we had a, a Emmy winner and Tony Shalhoub. We've had a had a Tony winner in coming this summer. I'm going to wait on that one, but David Diggs of Hamilton, everybody, was in our our building. That's pretty exciting. It's super exciting. Our our buddy Mangesh made a social media post about it where he clearly had a bit of a fanboy moment looking through the window. Oh, did he? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that. So that was great. David was awesome in his uh, movie Blind Spotting uh, that he made with his partner in crime, Rafael Casal, is coming out this summer. So we're going to sit on that one and try and time it with their movie release because I need these little PR opportunities to come along, and that always helps. Uh, I had a Grammy winner. That'll be coming soon. Loudon Wainwright III went and interviewed him in his green room before his performance. So now all I need is an Oscar winner, everybody. Is that the EGOT? Then you'll have the EGOT. Is that what that's called? We have to, if you win the Oscar, the Emmy. No, 
Emmy, Emmy, Grammy, Grammy, Oscar, Oscar Tony. Tony. That's the EGOT. <laughs> I think uh, Whoopi has one. Whoopi's got the EGOT. Oh, really? Yeah. And the guy from uh, who wrote Frozen and Avenue Q, uh-huh. the Lopez's, one of the Lopez's has, has the EGOT. Why do I think that Rita Moreno has the EGOT? I don't know. Maybe she does. All right. We'll look that up. I didn't know Whoopi did. Good for her. Um, so the guests are rolling in. Things are going great. Um, trying to, you know, it's going to vary a little bit. Here and there, I decided I can't be so rigid with the format when these PR ops come through. For instance, the Broken Lizard episode that you just heard uh, had all the guys in here, which was so much fun. But, you know, sometimes I got to mix it up. And, like, sometimes I forget. I forgot to ask David Diggs and, and Raphael their five questions at the end. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes these people come in and they don't even know what they're doing, right? They're like Absolutely. ushered into the room and you kind of got to give them the rundown in the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to just roll with it. And uh, in David's episode, we end up talking more about the movie that they made uh, than their movie picks per se. But uh, I'm just trying to roll with it, everybody. So I'm hanging there. Um, I totally forgot Loudon Wainwright to do the Ebert section, but I did ask him the five questions. So I'm doing the best I can. Uh, Rita Moreno, totally an EGOT winner, by the way. All right. Real time, looking it up with Noel. Mel Brooks also has it. Audrey Hepburn. Really? Yeah. Helen Hayes, Richard Rogers of Rogers and Hammerstein. Audrey Hepburn, yeah. She won a Grammy? I guess so. Sometimes those people sneak in like a spoken word. An audio book or something. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So we're going to kick it off this week with social studies. Social studies on Movie Crush. Put out the call this morning, kind of last minute for, uh, I believe this one was, favorite, we'll go with favorite documentary film for this one. And I am going to read through a bunch of your answers. And I try to bounce around, so just because you didn't see it first, uh, it's firsties, then you you won't get ignored. So uh, rest assured that if you are low on the list, I will try and get to you. Christopher Abel, he is firsties. King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters. That's a great, great pick. You heard the, there's an update to that. Uh, oh, wait. He yeah. just got like banned or something, Yeah, he got right? banned. Billy Mitchell, who's kind of the douchebag antagonist in that uh, movie, uh-huh. um, you know, triumphs over the underdog uh, who everyone likes. Um, he got accused of cheating at Kong using emulation software, which you can change the frame rate of it to make it slower or you can actually capture video more easily to You're kind kidding. of fake time. What a yeah. loser. Well, but now he's saying that he's got proof that he didn't cheat. But if you've seen the movie, he is such a braggadocious um, hot sauce company impresario piece <laughs> of trash. Not not a fan of Billy Mitchell. <laughs> well, if he's cheating at Donkey Kong, then he's, you know, he's a loser. Uh, John Millsap, HBO's Going Clear. Totally agree. Great, great, great. Uh, Joshua Brennan, It Might Get Loud. That was really good. Did you see that? I don't know that one. What's that about? That was the one with Jimmy Page, The Edge, and Jack White. That's right. Talking about playing the guitar. Yeah, and that one was fun. I remember thinking, though, I wanted more of them in the room together um, because they did all the backstories of each one of them, which Mm -hmm. was great. But once you get those three guys in the room, it was kind of felt like the third act, and I wanted more of that. Uh, And he also mentions Beware of Mr. Baker, that awesome documentary on the drummer Ginger Baker. That's right. I haven't seen that one. I always see it pop up in my my suggested books. Yeah, they know you, Noel. (laughs) Uh, Jacob Thompson, Exit Through the Gift Shop, of course. So good. Classic. So so it's so meta, too. Like, it's almost not – it blurs the line between documentary and kind of fiction. Yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. Kelly Shank, I Am Not Your Negro. I really wanted to see that. 
uh, when it was out, but I did not get to. But that is on the list for sure. That's supposed to be really, really good. Heard amazing things. I've not seen it either. Uh, Trent Moore, When We Were Kings. Mm, man, even if you don't like boxing, When We Were Kings is one of the great documentaries of all time. Let me see here. Ooh, Sam uh, Lucian uh, Pawlowski, The Act of Killing. Did you see that one? That's another kind of blur in the lines one. Yeah. Where he makes the war criminals reenact their crimes like uh, like, like they're doing a film scene kind of. I have not seen it. I've just. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. I've, it's I've so good. Yeah. I went, I went through a. I mean, I've always I always watched documentaries. I love them. But I went through a phase a few years ago where I really tried to kind of tick off all the biggies on the box. Uh, Don Lozano, Searching for Sugar Man. Another great one. Have you seen that one? Noel? Nope. Heard about it, too. That haven't been watching enough docs in the last handful I'm of years. I'm starting to gather that. Yeah. <laughs> and those are all music docs. Like, those mm-hmm. are right up your alley, man. Yeah. You would love uh, Sugar Man. That's a good one. Uh, Jason Alvey, Man on Wire. Totally agree. Great, great documentary. Have seen that one. Bad movie. Okay. You want to speak to it? No, it's just great. I mean, it's just, yeah. <laughs> but I heard the movie was awful with Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing oh, the... Oh, gosh. What's the, what's the guy's name? I can't even remember his name. The, <sighs> the, the yeah. tightrope walk between the Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. So it also kind of became this powerful symbol yeah. after 9-11 happened. Um, but yeah, really, just the guy's like such a quirky, mavericky, mm-hmm. like he's going to do what he's going to do kind of character, yeah. which I love. And it also plays like a heist movie, which is cool. Yeah, for sure. They, they got to like break in and get it's up there. It's not and, as easy as mm-hmm. walking the wire. Like yeah. you got to get that shit set up yep. and not get caught. Very cool. Uh, Weston Holston, the kid stays in the picture. Probably top five for me. Uh, Brett Giles, Sound City. Did you see that one, Noel? <laughs> About the Sound City studio? Was that with Dave Grohl? Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that either. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I definitely have suffered from Dave Grohl overkill, but that is a great documentary. Very much worth supporting. Uh, Jill sort of Vinden says, all of Ken Burns' work, uh, fair enough. Ken Burns is, is, he does what he does well. I'll say that. He's got that effect, the Ken Burns effect. Yeah, man. Which is the slow zoom on the archival photos. Yeah, and it was sort of, uh, I mean, I know they're documentaries, but just pre-podcast world, it was where you could really go take such a deep dive oh, yeah. and learn about things. They're like six hours a piece, right? They're multi-part. Well, it depends, yeah. yeah, yeah. The jazz one is jazz and baseball and uh, Lewis and Clark are the top three for me, and I just started Vietnam. Vietnam is pretty. The music is really cool. Trent Reznor did the music for Vietnam or a lot of Oh, it. really? Yeah, yeah. All right. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, let me see here. Uh, Nathaniel Gibby Shuff says the new Judd Apatow documentary, May It Last, a portrait of the Avid Brothers. I've seen that one too. Really good. It made me kind of get into the Avid Brothers again, and I will be going to see them at Red Rocks, uh, Colorado. Oh, nice. That's a bucket list venue. So yeah. I had our, our Denver Stuff You Should Know show planned around, well, I asked, could it be placed near enough to a show that I might want to go to? That's awesome, man. And my booking agent, Josh Lindgren, said, well, the Ava brothers are there. How about that? And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's funny. They used to play, before they got famous, they played a lot in my hometown of Augusta, Georgia at a very small place called Stillwater Tap Room. Yeah. And it was just like tiny little bluegrass place. And they would play there and they got kind of beloved locally and had a real good reputation because they were nice guys. Yeah. And then they started like going up, 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 up. And then they came back and would play the big venue. Then they'd play the slightly bigger venue. Oh, yeah, man. They're arenas now. Yeah. It's pretty wild. They've got like what Rick Rubin producing their records and stuff. Yeah. I mean, the documentary is good too because they are good guys. And 
through all the success, what really still hits home is that there's still the things they care about most are family. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Yep. Uh, Sarah Strand says, Dear Zachary, oh, what a movie. Pass the Tissues, one of the most hardcore documentaries I've ever seen as far as just raw emotion spilling out of my guts. Ooh, that's <laughs> visceral, Chuck. It's really, really tough, man. A uh, bunch of people, Jeremy Kane, my buddy out in Washington, said American movie. Um, that's on the list. Like Colvin. 20 times. Colvin, right? They're making the movie Colvin? Yeah, Colvin. That's so good. <laughs> that's so good. I couldn't believe that it was real. It, it, it's it's like I know it seems like it could have easily been a Christopher Guest. Thing. Yeah, oh, it's so <laughs> so fun and but sad and poignant. Like it's a wonderful, wonderful film. It is great. Uh, a few more here. Jane Longshore says Hoop Dreams, and When We Were Kings, and she says, and I'm really not even a sports person. So Hoop Dreams, classic, really wonderful, wonderful film. Uh, and then well, let's go with one more. How about this from Janet James Allman, Dogtown and Z Boys. Or Riding Giants, uh, two of her favorite documentaries of all time. Both great, great movies. Dogtown and Z-Boys, man, I can watch that thing a hundred times. It's the skater movie, right? Yeah, dude. Good stuff. And Riding Giants is about the the surf culture and the big uh, the, the people who surf those monster waves all over the world. All right. Social studies. That's in the bag. Good one. All right, Noel, we're going to premiere a new segment right now that you don't even know about. Whew. Called Trope Time. Yes. I love it already. <laughs> so we're going to go five at a time here over the course of however many weeks and months until we cover every movie trope ever. Uh, and feel free to send these in on, on Facebook, by the way. Uh, so we're going to start with uh, number one, the banker's box after you get fired. Oh, yeah. Where they present you with the, the banker's box and you put all your shit in there. Every movie, every time somebody gets fired, invariably they walk out yeah. with it's always a banker's box. That's right. It's got those little handles. And then the lid, but the lid never fits on it because there's always like a fucking bowling trophy coming up out of the side, you know? Absolutely. There's never a lid because of the bowling trophy. Oh, you nailed it, Noel. That's genius, though, man. It's, I never even thought of that as being a trope until now, but it is. Yep, always. Yeah. It's like they they should just call them, move, you got fired in a movie box. Yep. Because they, they aren't even banker's boxes anymore. Uh, all right, well, here's another one. Speaking of things sticking out, the the grocery bag. In every movie, has two things invariably that you see sticking out of the top. What's one of them? Like a bottle of wine? I don't no. know. I don't know. I don't know this one, Chuck. The baguette. Oh, okay. That was gonna be my second. The, the loaf of French bread. Yes. Or some sort of leafy green, and I think it's because in the art department, like you want to see, you can't just walk with a grocery bag. Yeah. You want to see the director like we have something spilling out. You know, yeah. we want to see it. Yeah. And a big leafy green looks great, and it's always a baguette. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's become such a trope that in the movie Michael Clayton movie I talk about all the time, there is a scene with the great actor Tom Wilkinson carrying a bag full of baguettes. There's like 15 baguettes, a and that's baguette all, bag. Yeah, that's all wow. that's in there, and it was clearly a, uh, a little tongue in cheek. Uh, move to kind of make fun of that trope, which was great. And his character in the movie was a little unhinged too, right? So maybe that was sort of part Wilkinson. of his. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's just a he's, the kind of guy, you know? he's the kind of guy that would buy fifteen baguettes. You know, apparently the hamburger is more popular than the baguette now in France. Sad. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. I saw an article, but I don't know if it's true. It sounds like one of those polls that I don't believe. Well, there's the brie and ham sandwich that's very popular, and apparently there are m- as many burger joints now as there are places that sell those. Oh, like the croque, uh, 
croque monsieur? It's called something else. It's called like a jambon de Paris or something. Uh, okay. It's like a half a baguette with cheese and like pickles and the special kind of ham. It's a very popular sandwich. Um, but they used to kind of thumb their noses at burgers and now yeah. it's becoming more of a cultural like thing. They've kind yeah, of made it their own. Of course you know? it is because yeah. we do it right, Frenchies. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Shots fired. Uh, all right. Here's one. The bulletproof vest reveal. Um, in many, many movies over the years, maybe most famously in Back to the Future, yeah, of course, when yeah. Doc Brown reveals he's on the ground. That's how it always goes is, oh, my God, they've been killed. And then you go over to them, their eyes open, and they pull their shirt apart Whoosh. to reveal yeah. the bulletproof vest. And another a variation on that is the personal metal object that was given to them oh, at sure. some point. That stopped the, the bullet. That stops the bullet, <laughs> yeah. like the can of Altoids or something. Oh, man, those That are has great. some sort of sentimental value, and that's uh-huh. what stops the bullet. Yeah, and I'm always like, I don't oh, think no. a bullet would really be stopped by Altoids. <laughs> it's probably from an old musket, an old, you know. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then Fistful of Dollars got to shout that out for... A very early version of the bulletproof vest reveal. Clint Eastwood uh, pulls up his uh, his uh, his poncho, and he has like a a big iron plate uh, because it's an all western, yep. and that was the Kevlar of the day, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that was a good early use. It's a good one, man. Uh, two like more this, here. Uh, I like this segment, by the way. Do you like this, this? trope time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, two more. Uh, the one arm pull up from the bridge or the cliff's edge or whatever. It doesn't matter. How big the person hanging is, how weak the person pulling is, somehow they defy physics in every movie and manage to pull somebody up onto uh, a safe ground with just one arm. That's right. And there's also the very, it's a very clutch moment, too, because you see them gripping hands, you know? Yeah, and it's just, there's just no way. There's no way. There's no way. No. You can't do it. No. I can't even do a two-arm pull-up. I think, yeah, no, no way. And, I mean, God forbid somebody try to pull one of us up. I mean, oh, we're screwed. Dude, no. We'll take him down with us. Yeah. Or we're tumbling into the abyss. I think that was, uh, this is the end, that comedy. I think they played with that trope. Oh, yeah. With, uh, in the scene where the earth opened up, if I'm not mistaken. That's a fun movie. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. And then finally, trope time for this week, uh, the dead batteries in the flashlight. If you're in a horror movie and you're walking around with a with a flashlight, at some point, that thing's going to flicker on and off. Yeah, just give it a shake. Give it a shake. <laughs> you hit it with your hand a couple of times, and it usually will light back up right to, like, a, you know, something awful. Yes, yeah, some sort of beastie standing behind you or a, you know, knife-wielding yeah. psychopath or something. I love it, man. I love movie tropes. It's They're fun to make fun of, but they're there for a reason, and they're time-tested, they're tried and true, and that's why we see them all the time. And it's also fun with like what you're talking about with uh, the end of the world movie. It is fun when you start seeing them played with and people's yeah. expectations kind of fucked with a little bit. Absolutely. That can be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. So we're going to save. Oh, man, I can't wait to do more movie tropes in the future. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. 
You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Segment three. Uh, I'm going to do stream this this week. And buddy, have you watched Wild Wild Country yet? I, as you know, I do a uh, conspiracy <laughs> podcast yeah. as well, stuff that I want you to know. Um, and Matt Frederick watched it and said it blew his mind. Uh-huh. And I have not seen it yet, but I'm, I'm very looking forward oh, to it. Oh, daddy. All right. So this is on Netflix, everybody. It's a six-part documentary series. Uh, I'm not going to give anything away. Um, but it is uh, made by McLean and Chapman Way. I believe they're brothers. Um, produced by two more brothers, by the uh, Duplass brothers. Uh, executive producer. And it is the story of Rajneesh Puram, which is uh, to say the followers of the Indian guru Bhagwan Rajneesh, uh, also known as Osho. Uh, the followers were known as uh, Sanyasins, And they uh, set up shop in Oregon and kind of formed their own, they bought a bunch of land and I'm, I'm not going to give too much away here. I'm going to keep it very light because the less you know, the better, but they bought a bunch of land in rural Oregon and, and basically made their own, uh, Uber commune, like a small community, which formed a bigger community called Rajneesh Purim. Uh, and it's the story of that. And this Indian guru, Bhagwan, uh, Rajneesh and his top sergeant, personal secretary, uh, Ma Anand Sheila. Uh, some people call them a cult. Um, some people called it a new religion. Mm. Some people said that they were neither, and it was just a group of people interested in establishing a new way of life. Uh, and I got to say, while they're describing what their what their goal is, Emily and I are watching this thinking, this sounds great. They have like organic farming, and they help one another, and they're kind to one another. And it's... Uh, sort of a rejection of capitalism and just starting a new society. And it was that period in time, it was in the early 80s, where I think people were uh, had been disillusioned by the, by the 60s and 70s, and they were looking for something different. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and it tells that story. And it is bananas where the story goes. It's twisty, right? Like, I mean. It's not even twisty so yeah. much as it builds. Yeah. And it's just bananas. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say. I like it. It is absolutely off the charts bonkers how far this story goes and how crazy shit gets. Some of these Netflix multi-part documentaries are insane. Like there was that one, The Keepers, about the nuns. Yeah, and, uh, the, that was you tough. Know, that one was really intense. But yeah. like, I'm like, where do they find these stories? This is wild. Yeah, and I can't believe, I mean, this one was, I can't believe this is the first time it had been done to this extent. Um, I was really surprised that this, we're just now seeing a, a deep dive documentary on on uh, Rajni Shapiram. You had heard of this guy before and all of this? Well, I hadn't, but as I was seeing the dude, it started to come back to where, like, wait a minute, I was like 11 or 12, and that face looked familiar to me, and I think I remember seeing it splash across the evening news occasionally. Got it. But, you know, I was a kid, so I wasn't, like, digesting uh, Sam Donaldson on a regular basis. (laughs) All right, and we're going to finish up this week with Comment Card. Five questions from you from Facebook to us. Uh, Kendall, our guest Watson says, what story needs to be, what true story needs to be made into a movie? And I'm going to just go ahead and say Wild Wild Country. Somebody should make a two and a half to three hour movie on this. Yeah. That would be my call. Cool. Don't screw it up. No, you can't. (laughs) Well, it's like, you know, we were talking earlier about Man on Wire how they took that amazing documentary and made a really shitty movie out yeah. of it. It's like when a documentary does such a good job Sometimes and it's so compelling, just leave, leave it. it. Yeah. Leave it. I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, do you have a true story that you can think of, Noel? Well, can we go through some of the list items? And I, I need to think about it for a second. All right. Uh, Gary M. Stange says, uh, what are your favorite movies based on TV series? Uh, I've, I've written down a few here. Uh Twilight Zone, the movie, when I was a kid. Mm. Loved, loved, loved that movie. Still holds up, I think. Um, The Mission Impossible series, generally, I love almost all of it. I think there was one of them I didn't love. Mm -hmm. And I think it was the John Woo one, which surprised me because I love John Woo. Yeah, there's so many of them. I've kind of lost track. I think I can't remember which one he did. But I'm a sucker for those, man. They're fun. I like those movies. They're fun, yeah. Is, would, would you say that typically when you think of a movie being made from a TV series that the expectations are kind of low? Well, it depends because for something like a Mission Impossible, I had pretty high expectations. And I even liked that first one that Brian De Palma did. Um, but with the comedies, I feel like a lot of times what they try and do is just uh, make fun of it. Right. That's uh, sort of the new way, yeah. of, especially with like the 21 Jump Street and things like that. Which right? was actually pretty good. I've heard that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't seen pretty fun that. movie. But like, you know, things like Matthew Broderick and Inspector Gadget. That's a cartoon. That's different. But it was a TV show. No, that counts. Or like Get Smart, you know, things like that. Yeah, which unfortunately that was not a very good movie. I guess I just feel like a lot of these things are 30 minute show is one thing. And then you make you're stretching that out into an hour and a half movie. Yeah, maybe, maybe sometimes it's, you're having to reach a little bit. I don't know. I agree, uh, and I'm also a sucker for that first Brady Bunch movie. I gotta say, I really oh, thought yeah. that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was super fun. That was the first kind of that was a fun meta yep. way of handling that. Too, it was right? kind of the first yeah. one that I remember, and it it nailed the casting and it nailed the tone. Um, everything about it was just kind of fun and perfect for me. Really good one for sure. Uh, Owen Terwilliger, great name. If you could sit down for a drink, this is such a good question. If you could sit down for a drink with any actor, 
uh, or actress. We we say actor on the show for as gender neutral, by the way. On the set of a famous movie of theirs, who would it be? And where are you? For example, like Whiskey with John Wayne in the bar of an old Western is his example. This is such a great question. Mm. And I thought about this one and cooked up an answer that I think even if I would have thought for hours, I may not top. So I'm going to have a drink with Bill Murray on board the Belafonte. Which, what's the Belafonte from? That was the ship from uh, Zisu, Life Aquatic. That's right. That's right. Yep. I want to be on that boat drinking with Bill Murray. He was a, he was a fun character. Yeah. yeah. That'd be some good conversation. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip it and, and go weird with it, and I would have a whiskey with Jack Nicholson in the bar set from The Shining. Oh, God, no. Why do you do this to me? Because now I want to be there with you guys. <laughs> you can come, dude. Holy shit, that's a good answer. Because it's creepy as hell, too. Yeah, and he's, he, he seems like an insane person, just oh, yeah. in general. Yeah, yeah It yeah. would either be really, like, terrifying and awkward or, like, really awesome. Maybe he's in a really good mood and we just kind of hit it off. Yeah, boy, that's a good one. In the Overlook bar with that bartender. Yeah, what is it? What's his name? Oh, man, I in the movie. remember. Yeah. Oh, Jeff. Never mind. I want to say Jeeves, but yeah, I, I know that's, that's, that's not that's, it. That's not right. <laughs> Holy cow. Two great answers. Uh, maybe I'll, maybe Bill Murray and I can sail the Belafonte over to... It's Lloyd. 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 That's right. God, that's good. All right, Bennett Duckworth says, can you think of a film that floored you for defying the body of work associated with its director? Another great question. His examples are Adam McKay, the great comedy director with The Big Short, or David Lynch with The Straight Story. Um, really good question. I gave this some thought. Straight Story is actually a great, great choice because talk about a curveball, man. David Lynch throwing that movie out there. I agree, but I would also argue that it is not that different from his other movies if you really pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Like it is. It's so weird because it's a Disney released film. It's, uh-huh. a, it's a straight PG. Yeah. No, no swears, no weird nudity and drug use. Yeah, yeah. But it has a similar tone of like kind of foreboding that some of his other films have, I think. Yeah. And, you know? Okay. I, 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 I totally agree with that, though. It's, it's a very big curveball, but when you really watch it and think about it, yeah. it does feel like a David Lynch movie still. Well, and it's funny, because David Lynch, when you talk to the guy, he's uh, obviously not in person. I've never met David Lynch, um, because I'm still alive, and I would have mm-hmm. died if I met David Lynch. Oh, man, me too. He's a fave. <laughs> but uh, he, he he's a gosh G. Willikers kind of guy. Oh, man. He's very, like, he doesn't cuss and stuff. He's very... Pure and sort of old school. Oh, he cusses. Oh, he does? Oh, yeah. It's See, just... every time I've heard him talk, he's just like, gosh darn. One part where someone asks him in an interview, like, what do you think of uh, people watching movies on their iPhones? And he just pauses and he goes, total fucking bullshit. <laughs> okay. All right, I stand corrected. But his personality, though, is oh, very yeah. much of a, of a G. Willikers kind of guy. Kind of. Oh, yeah. I, lo- I love him so much. However, even though Straight Story is great, uh, I'm going to go with not just a movie, but a a director named Brad Anderson who almost came on the show, Mm. but we couldn't quite get him. Uh, He started his career with a couple of kind of sweet romantic indies, Next Stop Wonderland and Happy Accidents, both really great movies. And then out of nowhere, he throws out a movie called Session Nine. Did you ever see that? It's like a horror kind of thing, right? Yeah, about this... uh, A mental asylum? Yeah, an, an abandoned mental asylum that these people are exploring horrifying, scary, scary movie. Uh, And then right after that, he made The Machinist, that movie with Christian Bale where he withers away to like 80 pounds. Right. Very disturbing. Yeah. 
So this guy made, I mean, he's, he defies all genres in that he, almost every movie he makes, he tries something else out. He did that movie Trans-Siberian, which is great. And his movie out right now is uh, Beirut with John Hamm. So Brad Anderson's all over the place. And I really admire directors that don't go back to that same well every time. Well, you know the director Terry Zweigoff? Oh, sure. Yeah, because he kind of did that in reverse, where, like, I was first aware of him from, like, uh, Ghost World, I think, which is amazing. Yeah. But then he also did a lot of kind of gross-out comedies, like the Bad Santa movies mm-hmm. and that oh, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But he made my favorite documentary of all time, Crumb. Yeah, about, about our crumb, the, so good. the San Francisco psychedelic artist. Or whatever. Yeah, um, so it's really interesting when someone kind of maybe they fall into a niche like they weren't expecting, and it's kind of like, all right, well, I guess these are right. the jobs that I'm, I'm getting offered. So this is what I do now, I guess. Got to pay the rent. Yeah, of course. And I don't know. I'm bad. I bet Zweigoff will do something uh, interesting again. Agreed. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Uh, Jan- I'm sorry, Janet James Allman says, if you could go back in time and suggest a major change for a movie, like an alternate ending or a casting change, what would it be? And I didn't have to think long on this one, but uh, I'm one of the few people that really thinks the movie Gangs of New York is pretty pretty great, um, save one aspect, and that is Cameron Diaz. Yeah, because she, she she always kind of feels like Cameron Diaz. She exactly. She feels very modern. There's nothing right. turn of the century in New York about Cameron Diaz. No. And I remember at the time thinking, oh man, that's really the one thing that took me out of that picture because um, I think Leo's great. 
John C. Riley's great. Of course, Daniel Day Lewis is amazing yeah. in it. Yeah. And I, I love the story of that that New York back then and how crazy it was. And then Cameron Diaz trots out there like she just walked off of Venice Beach. Right. And it just uh it it that's the one casting change I would make. Doesn't Leo ever take you out of things? I always feel like he seems too young. Even though I know he's not. He just always seems like a child to me. I, I totally get what you mean. He does not play like middle age right. well. Ever. Yeah. He try I mean he's, <laughs> yeah. I think he's a good actor. Yeah, no, no, he, he very much is. I just feel like sometimes he he's such a hot shot that like he gets these roles just because of who he is that yeah. I sometimes don't necessarily think he's the most suited to to play. Maybe so. I don't know. Maybe so, no. All right, I'm going to sit on that one for a while. Dream of Leo tonight as an old man. Uh, that's it for this week. So thanks, everyone. Thank you, Noel. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, just the movie I saw in New York that I missed the last time. Oh, crush, right. Uh, it's called The Death of Stalin. Oh, yeah. And um, sure. I actually posted it on the, the, the Crushers, the Movie Crushers Facebook page, uh-huh. um, seeing what people thought. A lot of people don't seem like they've seen it yet. But It, um, it may be limited release. I think it maybe is, um, but it is. Satire, right? It's, um, it's the guy that did the created Veep. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it feels like Curb Your Enthusiasm, but about like this Russian coup. Right. And all of the actors are like these seasoned improvisers uh-huh. um, Jeffrey Tambor yeah. and um, Steve Buscemi and uh, an amazing cast but they all use their regular voices no one <laughs> tries to put on a Russian accent <laughs> but great. the periodness of it is through the roof uh-huh. so it's very a little disorienting but once you kind of like buy in to, yeah. the, to the bit right. it's very rewarding alright well former guest Ben Acker uh, loves that movie he said it was fantastic Yeah. so those are two people I trust You and Ben Acker. Oh, man. You too, Chuck. The only two people I trust in the world. All right. That's it, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Your homework for this week. Coming up this Friday, everyone. Very excited about this one. Uh, My buddy, the great actor Paul Schneider, on one of the more classic movies of all time, Back to the Future. So do your homework. You probably don't need to watch that for the first time, but watch it again is what I say. Right? Oh, yeah. It's a great, great one. Holds up. And Paul and I had a great conversation. He's a good, good dude. And look forward to that this Friday. And thanks for joining us, everyone, on Mini Crush this week. We'll see you next week. This is Malcolm Gladwell. From Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. 
Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug All needed. Right, let's go. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. <laughs> you can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Oh, oh, oh. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. 